Hey everyone, this is Krish and welcome to Snowpal's podcast. In this podcast, we'll talk a little bit about backwards compatibility. Um, but before we go into the podcast, um, I want to ask you if you're a teacher or a tutor. If you are, you want to sign up on pitch.snowpal.com if you haven't already done so. And you can check out a service that we have that's specifically targeted at you. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy uh, the productivity that bring that it brings to you. Okay, having said that, let's get into the podcast. Backwards compatibility. Uh, what is it? It's essentially the uh, property of a system that uh, allows for it to be interoperable uh, with a legacy system, right? So that's, I guess, a loose definition, if I may. Uh, but what it essentially means, if you don't remember the definition, the, here is what it means. Let's say you have uh, an application that has a particular feature and over a period of time, uh, you've made some changes. Let's say you're making a set of changes and by virtue of those changes, uh, the existing system, right? The existing users would be impacted if not for you doing something more. Uh, what that more means could be one of many things, but what it essentially means is that you don't want to disrupt your existing system or the, uh, the user experience of your existing user base uh, when you make these newer changes. Uh, that's easier said than done. Let's take uh, one or two examples and see what that means. So one of the products I use, uh, an online platform, uh, they, uh, I'm, I mean, again, it's, it's uh, guesses and a lot of speculation here. Uh, but it's based on experience as well. So not all of this might be entirely untrue in my opinion. Uh, what I'm trying to say is one of these uh, products that I use, I ran into a problem with, with a certain feature that they had. Uh, I archived a number of messages that were sent to me over a long period of time. Uh, but one day they suddenly all started showing up. And I was like, wow, that seems a little weird. And I thought, okay, probably it's just a random bug. Uh, and then I tried to archive the message again, it disappeared, except that when I went back to the page, uh, it showed up one more time. And, you know, it got me curious and I was like, okay, what, what could I possibly change? You know, they uh, apparently underwent, as I understand by reading uh, the news, uh, they were purchased by another company or there was some acquisition or whatnot. Uh, but long story short, I could tell that the messages that were sent to me recently since that acquisition or something of that nature had a different ID, right? The ID was, uh, I know, whatever number of characters, but it was, uh, it had a different length. It was alphanumeric. It looked different than the messages in the past that had a different ID. So I figured, okay, you know what? It must be a backwards compatibility issue. Now they probably were acquired. Uh, they went through some migration uh, and some things fell through the cracks. And maybe they noticed this, maybe they did not. Uh, I reported an issue, uh, but it never got fixed. So maybe it is not at the top of that list. Uh, maybe there aren't that many people who have these messages from, from years uh, hanging around, or maybe it doesn't bother them. Uh, I like to keep my inboxes clean, whether it's my email inbox or message inbox and other products that I use. So I can tell when something like this happens. But, you know, if you're the kind of person who... Uh, doesn't necessarily triage these messages because you like them the way they are, you may or may not have noticed that particular problem, that bug. In any case, right, so the previous messages had a different ID, uh, different length, uh, different looking ID than the newer ones. So uh, here's my speculation, right? So uh, let's say the ID was A123 in the past 
and then you archived that message, uh, you know, it got persisted. Uh, there was a flag that was set to true. So the next time the messages were pulled up, it did not show those messages. Pretty simple, right? Now, after the uh, acquisition happened, probably, right, or some sort of a migration happened, it may or may not have anything to do with that acquisition uh, or the merger or whatever it was. Uh, regardless, right, that's besides the point. The IDs changed because they moved to a different system. Maybe they changed their persistence layers. Maybe they integrated a bunch of different layers. Or maybe they made some other code changes, right? Um, so the IDs were different. If that were to be the case, what could they have possibly done, right? That isn't a bad example of taking a, you know, it isn't a bad example in the context of discussing backwards compatibility. So there are many options, obviously. One of them is you try to map these IDs. So if my ID is A123, and if my new system is B, starts with a B, like a stupid example, but hopefully it conveys a message. If the new system uses a prefix that starts with the letter B as opposed to A, then what you could do is essentially port over all, migrate all your existing messages, change the A's to the B's, then you're in good shape, right? So the new messages that get created, uh, obviously get created uh, with, a B as, with B as a prefix, the old ones end up getting migrated and then everyone's happy. Uh, that's one solution, maybe not the most optimal one and probably not a viable one either in, in many cases because what if your system has millions of users, right? Hundreds of millions of users or, or tens of millions or maybe hundreds of thousands, doesn't matter. It's still a, a, a tedious process and this is just one example. There could be other types, other things that you have to do as part of this migration. So maybe not a great idea, right? And what is the point in taking that approach either, even if you don't have that many users, because you're gonna go through this exercise of doing the migration. I mean, there are pros and cons. You're gonna go through the exercise. It's gonna take a long period of time, which I guess is all right because you're doing it. It's not impact, It's not online OLTP transaction processing, right? So it's happening behind the scenes through a cron job at different times. So nobody's really impacted, right? There's no downtimes and nobody's affected as on a per user basis. So that's okay, but still you're doing a large number of updates, which may or may not add any particular value. The other option you could take is um, not do anything at all. And then when the user actually goes in and you pulls up the list of messages, and now you're gonna go get the list of messages that you have to show to that particular user, you could do one extra thing. You find all the unarchived messages going by the rules of your new, new system. Uh, you, in addition to that, you can also account for the delta, which is, hey, my old system had uh, these IDs starting with uh, letter A uh, as an apple, but the new one starts in B as in boy. So if I find messages that start in A, uh, then I'm going to not show them uh, unless they're not archived, right? So we do this extra check. Uh, and what that means is when you pull up these messages, you could do those checks. And then you're only probably only showing n number of messages at any given time. So you're not showing like thousands of messages, right? So you're probably going to show 20 or 30 or 50 and then the user scrolls or goes to the next page depending on your product. And then you go get the next set of messages. So you could do this so it's not terribly expensive. This way you avoided the migration, the cost of migration. And you're doing it when the user is making the request. The only downside is you're doing one extra thing every time. Uh, when the user makes the request, as opposed to the migration, which takes care of it once and for all. Uh, but that apart, this approach should, would generally work. Now you could go one step beyond. Now, every time the user uh, get, requests the list of messages, 
you don't have to go through this process of checking to see whether it's an old message or a new one or yada 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 right the first time you pick up an old message and you make this determination you could replace that with a newer id a unique id whether it's a sequence number or something that's generated or whatever it is you can replace that with a new id uh, and set the flag accordingly so from then onwards from that point onwards you don't have to do the, that extra check for those messages that have already been dealt with right so we've talked about three different ways of solving almost the same problem uh, uh, unfortunately the product that I'm using they didn't get to resolving it so even to today I do see my old archive messages from years ago it's a little bit of a pain uh, maybe it's not their priority so they didn't get it fixed uh, but maybe their system is more complex maybe maybe they have to do more things to resolving this issue so it is not something that they want to deal with but regardless at least this gives you some example for okay and maybe in this case you may or may not entirely have to worry about backwards compatibility if those are messages if it impacts messages from like years ago but there are other scenarios that could be a whole lot more pressing uh, and you couldn't uh, not do take care of this either via migration or via the next time or the via the first time the user makes that request after you've gone through the migration process um, so migrations can get trickier uh, you want to make sure you do enough testing so you catch all of these before your end user spots these problems. Hope that was helpful. Thank you.